Welcome to another episode of the NPCs Discuss, where we talk about the video game industry, events, history, controversies, and more. On today's episode, Microsoft's announcement to acquire Activision Blizzard for $69 billion sent shockwaves through the gaming industry. The powerhouse behind Windows, the Xbox, and Clippy wants to bring the likes of Arthas, Kerrigan, and Tracer to their broader Xbox Game Studios family. And just the week prior, Take-Two announced their intent to acquire mobile and web game studio Zynga for $12 billion, which had been the record before the Microsoft announcement. With the last few years of big studio purchases and acquisitions by some of the top game companies in the world, this means more and more development and publishing is under the control of a select few. How do these acquisitions fit into the broader gaming ecosystem, and what do these types of changes mean for gamers going forward? This week, we talk about game company acquisitions. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor, Anchor.fm. And we're back. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the NPCs Discuss, where we talk about the video game industry, events, history, controversies, and more. My name is Travis Sherman, and of course, as always, I am joined by Kyle Inman. Kyle, hello. Hello. Man. What's up? (laughs) uh, Well, to be honest with you, the Activision, Blizzard, Microsoft joining forces thing is what's up. It's We're currently a couple weeks after the original announcement, and things have kind of settled down at least since that announcement was made. But now that things have settled down, I think it's probably time for us to analyze and I guess talk about what that and all of these other acquisitions mean, don't you think? Uh, yeah. Uh, definitely at this point, because with with this this current acquisition that that Microsoft is having, it it could change the tides of the industry or just reshape it anyway. So, I think it's the perfect time. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember when Microsoft had announced that they were buying Bethesda, or more specifically, Zenimax Media. But of course, for all of us in the gaming world, really, it's Bethesda. Uh, when they announced that that was happening, that sent some pretty crazy shockwaves even on its own because that's the house of Fallout, the house of Elder Scrolls, the house of Doom. It's a pretty big group even in on its own, but it feels like Activision Blizzard itself is like seems to trump all of these, don't you think? Uh, yes and no. I mean, Activision's been around roughly the same time. It, it- it's actually actually i think activision's been around longer now that i think about it um and and blizzard's been a powerhouse in the the pc gaming community so i i almost think this is maybe on a different level or maybe matching the same level i don't know it it, it it's just tremendous to make two purchases like that you know so quickly like because the uh, bethesda purchase was complete what as of last year i believe so uh so according to this article here on wikipedia it says that the purchase happened in 2020 for a value of 8.1 billion dollars for that one which obviously of course is uh you know it's eight times more what was spent to be able to actually purchase um Activision Blizzard. Yeah. And the amount that was uh, used to purchase Activision Blizzard is nearing the amount that movie companies uh, use to purchase one another now. 
I mean, Disney purchased Fox Entertainment for $7.3 billion um, back in 2020. Or no, 2019, excuse me. Right. So, I mean, it, it just... It, it's insane that the the uh, gaming industry has grown so so large that you know it it's become something to rival you know film and and just general media that would be taken in like that but that's beside the point i really i i agree i mean all of these different forms of media obviously are going like i just said they are going to be different i think where a lot of it sits though is that with the catalog that Activision Blizzard has, and I'm not trying to, to you know, minimize anything about what mm-hmm. Zenimax, what Bethesda actually does and what they have created over the years. I think what they have done, of course, obviously has been a staple of the video game world for a very long time and what they've introduced, especially going back to even like the earlier days of things with the Elder Scrolls and and going through like Morrowind and Skyrim, even though Skyrim has been on like 80 to 90 different things now and released a thousand different times. But even so, it, the amount of work that both of these companies have done has been nothing short of extraordinary. But at the same time, the amount, though, to be eight times more for Activision Blizzard than what they paid for Bethesda is just such a shock because you are right, is that if we split up what the companies are, Blizzard really has the PC market cornered when it comes to the games that they have. Uh, oh, yeah. On the Activision part, though, of course, you're really looking at a lot of console stuff, although, of course, it's really broken more into PC when I'm thinking, you know, like Call of Duty being the big example. Mm-hmm. But even with that, though, uh, I guess we really need to kind of discuss here what do all of these acquisitions actually mean and how do they fit into our our future as gamers um it depends on what acquisition you're talking about because there there's a lot that could reshape i i think um you well let's you talk about at, that then um well think about the fact that like take 2 purchased zynga uh just recently just before the Blizzard acquisition, Zynga primarily has made mobile games, and uh, well, they were responsible for like what ninety percent of the the most popular Facebook games of you know five ten years ago. So, to that effect, I mean that that's just Take Two, and you know. Aside from Take Two, Rockstar, because they're essentially the same company, um, that they're they're just getting a side revenue on on top of you know their their um, Grand Theft Auto Online, you know. Plus, they could develop all new franchises for you know the Grand Theft Auto and you know whatever you know else they want to do. You know, they maybe even make a paid-for app that ties into the next Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, that's you're very right that with that experience set that Zynga has, they could always bridge that gap, especially when it comes to anything in the mobile industry itself or the mobile side. It's not to say that like Take-Two necessarily has any problem with that. 
but that at least gives them a leg up on the mobile side, especially as we do spend more time on our phones, and especially with the advent of cloud gaming, especially on the Xbox side and and potentially the upcoming PlayStation side, it, it definitely does show that you know that purchase there, even though it's like, okay, they do mobile games, well, it's the experience in making things mobile. On the Activision Blizzard side with the Microsoft part, though, it is a really interesting take on it, especially as Microsoft has been expanding their reach into gaming itself. Their mm-hmm. recent, um, I wish I actually had the article up here. I'll see if I can find it to get some numbers. Uh, but Microsoft did actually have up the uh, numbers as it relates to, uh, what was it? Actually, it was their financial report is what it was. I was thinking that someone else actually had some different numbers put together. Uh, but Microsoft, in their financial statement for uh, 2021, and this came out on January 25th, uh, total gaming revenue was up 17.7% year over year. And hardware revenue was up 63.3% year over year. So they are definitely making a lot more money in the gaming space than it appears that they have been in the uh, previous years. And I believe, of course, a lot of it really ties in, of course, that we did have a a full calendar year with the Xbox Series S and X being on sale. But at the same time, it's even all the other services, though, everybody being able to sign up for Game Pass to play these games day one, all of these people... Uh, that are signing up for PC Game Pass to be able to play games on their computer in tandem with their Xbox. The people signing well, up just to get cloud streaming. Uh, they, they've really and expanded another thing their to reach. Consider too is, is those hardware sales. They they just recently stopped making the uh, Xbox One uh, basically completely. You know they were down to the just the one model, and now it, it's all series units and. That that's been you know what since the beginning of the year, so I think so. Yeah, I think they canceled uh, production of the Xbox One line uh, towards the end of the summer in 2020 because they really wanted mm-hmm. to focus the production efforts on the Series X and S. So you got to figure a lot of that um, hardware sales is also just you know new consoles, even though that they haven't reported any numbers, they have to be generating quite a bit of revenue off of the new hardware sales off of those consoles as well. Potentially with whatever remains in stock. But even with all of those sales, though, I mean, at least it paints a picture that Microsoft's investment in gaming, especially through the later years of the Xbox One when they released the Xbox One S and the Xbox One X, that Mm -hmm. they've really started to like redefined themselves in the gaming space and oh definitely with that their expansion into things such as the cloud streaming the idea of a basically a subscription service to be able to get any game in this library and play these games to your heart's content for a fee a month really set them up as you know being able to make money so a lot of the curiosity comes down to why they would want to pick up Activision Blizzard in the first place. They're already making a pretty good amount of money, and they already do own quite a few studios. But why would you think that it's like if they're doing really well, why would they want to acquire Activision Blizzard then? Um, I think the time was right to purchase one of the industry juggernauts. I, I, I think, you know... it. 
it couldn't have been more perfect with Blizzard Activision being under fire uh, for all the sexual allegations that, you know, they, they've been under a lot of scrutiny. So this, this potentially could be an act of rescue, but also benefiting uh, Microsoft greatly. I mean, I you look at the the back catalog of even the last ten years that they have, and there are games that that if they could reboot just even a sequel to, you know, they don't even have to reboot the game; just make a sequel to the games that they had in the last ten years. I they they would sell. I I I would be certain fairly decent numbers, you know, and generate at least some new. Uh, revenue off of memberships as well so i i think timing was a big part of it but also you know how how convenient to take take out one of the biggest industry juggernauts that you know had contracts and you know i think they still have contracts that have yet to expire with you know playstation and to be able to pick that up and and say, hey, you know, this this is a rescue thing, but this is also for us too. And that was one of the things I even was thinking about is not necessarily like the benefit of of rolling Activision Blizzard into the Microsoft Game Studios, the Xbox Game Studios mm-hmm. environment, but I was also thinking about that the uh, the culture there at Activision Blizzard right now with the ongoing lawsuits, with the unionizing by Raven Studios, um, that Microsoft, of course, Microsoft is no, um, is, has a history with these types of problems within their own company anyway. They've had these mm-hmm. problems in the past, but since a lot of the, those people in those parts of the org have been pushed out and they've really restructured themselves, Microsoft definitely is one of those who is not necessarily the most like shining example of what a company should be necessarily when it comes to their ethics, but they're definitely better than what Activision Blizzard is at this present moment. So I think you're right, and that was the thing I was thinking too, is that they came in because they saw a problem with a top-tier AAA uh, gaming company and said that, while we net the bonus of integrating their content into our ecosystem even more so than it is now, we also can potentially clean up the problems that are going on in this organization and hopefully get things back to the way they they are supposed to be. You know, everything's inclusive. Everything is being worked on properly. Everything is being done in a collaborative and creative fashion where nobody feels left out. Nobody's being discriminated against. Well, and I I had heard rumors flying around the the internet that uh, there was potential that they had been looking for someone to purchase them since they had been playing round robin with their CEOs or you know at the at least their executives I should say. You're talking on the Blizzard side, or are you talking Activision Blizzard as a whole? On the on on the Blizzard side specifically. Yeah, because when Mike Morhaime left and. Uh... Uh, I cannot remember the other one's name. That yeah, I, I can't remember their names for the life of me. But when, basically, there 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 was kind of a cycle where you know someone stepped in and they'd be there for three months, and then it was like someone was else was taking over, and it's you didn't know what was happening. And then we had two people taking over, and then all of a sudden one stepped down. 
Yeah, and yeah, Mike Ybarra is now the only one who's running it, and I think he's not even in a title of like CEO of Blizzard or anything. I think he's just president right. of Blizzard is what the actual title is. But so yeah, you're right. Is that the round robinness of your executive leadership, your effectively your C-suite leadership moving around really doesn't instill a lot of confidence in being able to make those types of true organizational changes. And now that that whole division, not just Blizzard itself, but Activision Blizzard as a whole and these other studios are now going to be reporting up to Phil Spencer, that may be the change to actually help drive some of these fundamental changes that need to actually occur in their organization. So the acquisition may not just have been the catalog, but really, like we were just saying there, to weed out the problems and get things more stable. Right. And and like I said, um, maybe it was on Blizzard's end too, see, seeking out that person. And, you know, it, the waves just started with the uh, the whole lawsuit. But then, you know, with, with everything falling apart basically in the upper tiers and leadership being shuffled and you know things just kind of trickling down and eventually you know causing you know layoffs and 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 strikes and then all of a sudden we have unions um i i I think it's it's gonna be a good way to to kind of settle the waves down and and get everything back to a, a good working order over there i think you're right i do absolutely think you're uh think you're right on that one and if if it wasn't at xbox it would have been someone else you know i i really do believe so it, it could have been ea you know it could have been it could have been sony but maybe sony didn't want to pay as much as microsoft was willing to offer that's also very possible but I don't know. I think it depends also on the cash reserves that the companies are sitting on, though, as well, too. And it's not to say that, like, Sony is not profitable. I don't think Sony was sitting on enough cash to be able to actually reach out and make a purchase. And Microsoft, of course, uh, what is it? I don't think they I, – I know they've crossed the trillion-dollar valuation. I know Apple just recently crossed the $3 trillion mm-hmm. valuation. But I don't know – what the coffers were looking like where the other companies could do anything. But even so, Microsoft at least has made the offer. That's what they want to go with. And now it's up to the regulators to do what they need to do to see, hey, is this going to be fine? Now, let's ask this question, though, here, Kyle. So mm-hmm. we now have Microsoft Game Studios. I, I, I got to stop calling it Microsoft Game Studios because not anymore. It's Xbox Game Studios. Xbox Game Studios now owns all of these different studios, like all these other ones under their belt with Bethesda, with um, yeah, with Bethesda, with Activision Blizzard coming up here soon. You've got the Coalition who handles Gears. You've got 343 who handles Halo. You've got From Software. Uh, no, not From Software. Um, uh, oh my gosh, why am I forgetting their name now? Um, I had From Software on the brain from one of the quick saves I just previously did. Um, it's the ones who do, uh, who do Forza. Um, oh, shoot. But anyway, they've got Uh, them. They've got them. So they got all these studios here, but really focusing on these ones that have been the cross platform studios releasing basically everywhere. So we go back to Bethesda and the rest of their subgroups and then what Activision Blizzard has as well, too. Now, 
at this moment, we have Call of Duty from Activision across everything. We've got it on our consoles. We've got it on our PC. And we can play against each other in these cross-platform setups, no problem. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean it's going to last that way forever. We've already seen with the Bethesda acquisition that games like Starfield and the upcoming Elder Scrolls game are going to be not only console exclusive, but will also release on PC. There's been no word of them coming to anything like the PlayStation or even anything that could potentially be ported over to the Switch. Now, we've already heard, too, that Phil Spencer has had conversations with the heads of uh, Sony confirming that their contracts are still going to be staying in place, supporting the release of other games from Activision Blizzard going over to the PlayStation consoles, well, including the support for Call of Duty. But how long do we actually expect things like that to last? How long do we actually expect to see Call of Duty be something that is actually released cross-platform? Three games is what's confirmed from what I understand. So it's supposed to be the next two mainline games in the series. Okay. Um, obviously, one that would be... Uh, I'm trying to... I, I just drew a blank on the, the two different... There's supposed people, to be, but... I think, a Modern Warfare 2 that they're going to do that ties in with the okay. the Modern Warfare remake that they made. There's already talk about Warzone 2. Ops. And then, yeah, probably a new Black Ops. Yeah, so and and yeah. Warzone counts as one of them that will be released as a Sony game as well. But past that, the uh nothing else is confirmed. Everything is el- up in the air. Um those are the only for sure titles that are in the Call of Duty line that will be continuing on. So, um I I think this goes back to the uh Xbox playing hardball with everyone, though. Like, this is them saying, you know, you don't want to put Game Pass on it, fine. Then, you know, you just don't get the games that are on our game studios. And we're going to get a lot. So, be ready, guys. Well, the other part, though... And I said that, what, two years ago now? Or a year ago when, when Microsoft purchased, like, those 24 studios in total? I think so. I, I'm having vague like memories back to that right now. Yeah. But what I want to ask about, though, and th- this is why I find it funny, because it's not even a cross-platform thing. It is a console-exclusive thing, and it's two game series in uh, that we need to talk about here. Mm-hmm. Crash Bandicoot and Spyro. Yeah. Now, Crash Bandicoot and Spyro were both originally the, the quote-unquote mascots of PlayStation back when we were kids. Mm. Uh, like you and I had actually talked about this and, and I'll bring up kind of the joke we were going off about here is that, you know, we were talking about when uh, Sony had their commercial for Crash Bandicoot when um, Crash was, uh, it was the guy dressed up in the Crash costume with the megaphone outside Nintendo, you know, egging him on for whatever or outside Sega. Heckling him. Exactly. You know. And then, uh, you know, Spyro, I don't think there was anything really commercial-wise for him. He just was one of those mascots that was out there. But now, you know, we're talking about, we were joking about it the other day, that inside the Crash Bandicoot costume is going to be Master Chief. Instead, it's going to be the Master Chief helmet with the armor and that, you know, and it's going to be Crash Bandicoot's head all around him. 
it, it's it's just one of those interesting things to think that you know we saw this with Banjo Kazooie when Rare was purchased by Microsoft all those years ago. That yeah, now it's it's like these properties that were mainstays on the PlayStation are now potentially going to be in the control of Microsoft. What does that mean for their future potentially? I honestly think because Microsoft wants to give um, each of these studios their own identity back, I think we're going to see some of these games again. I, I you think about the fact that like, and we, we I I talked about this what back in the news or back on one of our previous casts that um, toys for Bob they were gobbled up for the sole purpose of working on call of duty they they didn't even make call of duty games they they worked on crash and 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 spyro and they were they made the remake and the the new crash game so you know what business did they really have i i mean their their game programs they have all the business in the world but to to go from that pedigree to making a shooter, it doesn't make any sense. You've got this team that's really excellent at making platformers. Why would you take them away from that? So give them that back and let them make excellent platformers that are going to blow us out of the water, you know? True. Let them get back to their roots effectively by allowing them to make the games that they used to make and that they've probably wanted to, but have since been redirected to work on basically the money maker for Activision. Yeah, you're that that's a big point I think that really everybody needs to kind of get in their heads on how Activision has actually managed their their companies. Well, their development studios, I should say, not necessarily companies. Yeah, I and like they'll they'll have a project that's in development and all of a sudden it won't matter because they'll they'll be like, "Okay, cool." Well, we want you to halt production on this project. We're going to postpone it indefinitely and bring you over to Call of Duty. Even though that Call of Duty has one of the largest teams out there as far as games, I'm fairly certain we're we're just going to add, you know, this entire team to that pool to help with a game that that can't be fixed at this point. You know, I I'm be, I'm beginning beginning to wonder if it, it's getting to the point that you get too many hands in the cookie jar and the code's just going to be broken all the time because there's no communication. It's a total communication breakdown of of what's supposed to actually be happening in that game. That's exactly what I'm thinking, too, because I'm looking here at a chart to show exactly what some of these companies could potentially come back and make and like we like you just talked about toys for bob with crash bandicoot and spyro you've got Beanox who did uh tony hawk they did crash bandicoot and they also did some call of duty stuff as well you got high moon studios who uh for me especially made uh the transformers uh war for cybertron and fall of cybertron games back in the uh late 2000s but then you know, they've been really shuffled and pushed to work on the Call of Duty stuff because Call of Duty primarily falls into the hands of Treyarch, Infinity Ward, and Sledgehammer. It always rotates between those three those three um, uh, development studios within the Activision Blizzard family. And for that to at least be split off means that, yeah, we could actually see more emphasis on bringing back some of these classic titles. But would these classic titles, though, this is where I'm wondering, though, and that's why I was asking it. Would these classic titles like Spyro, like Crash Bandicoot, 
go to be cross-platform release? Would they be released like system-wide or would they stay released just on the Xbox and PC? What do you think? That's hard to say. I, I'm beginning to wonder if that's going to be where the line gets drawn that, you know, you either have to pay a certain amount to Microsoft like they would, you know, for a contract for, say, uh, Minecraft. Or if it would be an entirely different scenario where, you know, you have to start putting Game Pass on your consoles if you want this particular game. Otherwise, you're going to have to wait this long and you're only going to get, you know, this much of the game. Maybe you'll only get the multiplayer. You won't have access to the multiplayer or, you know, there there's not going to be any cross-platform for your console because you're not participating in Game Pass. I, I, I don't that that seems silly to do because that would just take away from their revenue. But I don't know. Or maybe, you know, Microsoft could turn around and say, you know, we're still going to produce games for for Sony as long as they want to buy them and put them on their console. You know, maybe because once again, it is just revenue for Microsoft. If if it's their studio developing for another game console. Yeah, it. It, it, I don't know, it, it kind of seems a little shifty, but to the same effect, it, it's getting their product out there. It's making sure that that product is also available to the masses, and no matter what console you're on, you're going to be able to play together. And that's really what the end goal should be, is that it shouldn't be to segment and segregate these different game studios to really focus on the console exclusives. It's really one of these things that needs to make it so that we we do actually get more development we do get more cross collaboration we do get more cooperation between the game studios to be able to release more of this stuff now i know that each of the companies has their like core titles like obviously with with sony for the playstation it's going to be the spider-man games and it's uncharted you know just just to name a couple for Microsoft, it is Halo and it's Gears of War. And for Nintendo, obviously, it's Mario and Zelda. Right. So you're going to see these things, which are going to be those true mainstays that you're not going to really see anywhere else. But there's a lot, though, that exists just across the board that to see them segmented in, or, or to see them segregated to just one individual system, though, just is what has me concerned for what happens like for the Call of Duty stuff, what happens after that three to five year period after the, you know, we hit the end of that contract that Microsoft or that Activision Blizzard has, excuse me, with Sony for, you know, all of the different Call of Duty things. Well, and who knows, maybe, maybe they'll have a Call of Duty that they produce for all systems and then they'll have specific Call of Duties or a specific line of Call of Duties that they only produce for um, the Microsoft Game Studio line, you know, that, that'll only work on PC and with Game Pass and or Game Pass systems and with Xbox. You know, that could be a possibility too. Because th this is kind of uncharted territory, really and truly. I mean... Uh, Mojang has kind of stepped stepped into it a little bit with uh, producing the Minecraft, but also producing Minecraft. What is it, Dungeons? Uh, for all consoles. Yeah. So, 
this is a whole different monster though. This is this is a like I said, a behemoth. We're talking about the potential of who knows, maybe Warcraft even coming to Game Pass, you know, maybe your Warcraft um fee could your your monthly fee or your yearly fee be tied into your 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 Game Pass or your Xbox Live. You know. Yeah, but we couldn't see something like World of Warcraft making its way to a console though. Like that's that's one of those like could could we though? I mean Final Final Fantasies was on a console back on uh, 360 and PS3. Yeah, I mean, even before that, too, it was on PlayStation 2 with Final Fantasy XI as well. All I'm saying, though, is that it just seems like the complexity of what World of Warcraft is doesn't seem like it would fit on a console. But I could very well be wrong anyway, because as we've talked about in a previous discuss about how consoles are becoming more like PCs, it may not necessarily be so far-fetched, but it is... It's just really tough for me to picture at this point in time. But I I guess we can see what happens in the next few years. So I I guess with what we have left here on um, with the acquisitions itself, you know, I was taking a look here at the the Wikipedia article here. There's a Wikipedia article that says list of most expensive video game acquisitions. Mm -hmm. And what's funny to me looking at this is that most of the acquisitions that exceed, um, you know, billions of dollars, I'm talking like at least, um, you know, above a billion dollars anyway, have happened in the last two years. Starting with yeah. the first one I got here in the list was uh, 2020, Microsoft with uh, ZeniMax. We've got Zynga with a company called Peak. I don't know exactly who that is, but that was for $1.8 billion. Uh, Tencent pick, uh, picking up, what is it, Li, Li Yu Technologies. It's a video game company out of China for $1.5 billion. Um, Electronic Arts picked up Codemasters for $1.2 billion in 2020. Going into 2021, uh, ByteDance, the parent company for TikTok, picked up a company called Moonton uh, for $4 billion. Electronic Arts picked up Glue Mobile for $2.4 billion. Electronic Arts also picked up Playdemic for um, for $1.4 billion. And Playdemic is actually, um, what is that? That's uh, Traveler's Tales. So Traveler's mm-hmm. Tales, of course, being the company that makes all of the uh, Lego um, video games. You've got right. Embracer Group having bought Gearbox for $1.3 billion in 2021. Tencent again. Sumo, picking up Sumo Group for $1.27 billion in 2021. And then you've got the Microsoft Act, uh, Activision Blizzard and Take-Two Interactive and Zynga. And so it's like it, just the last two years alone, most of the deals have been like like most of the over-billion-dollar deals have just been literally in the last two years alone. Um, And so with it being this type of timing here within the last couple of years, the real shift we've only seen in the last couple of years has been this true expansion into cloud gaming, into um, game streaming, being able to take these games with you wherever without actually having to haul the console or PC with you. And with what Microsoft has picked up and with what Microsoft has built and with what Sony's coming up now, um, there has been talks that this all ties in to the the new buzzword in the grand scheme of tech, the metaverse. 
And uh, I, yeah, I was going to say, I was waiting for the groan from you or the eye roll. Uh, but that's what it's all kind of tying into is, is these, whatever they're calling their, their metaverse, I suppose, you know, I hate to say that, but it is a buzzword right now, at least, but they are talking about this unified experience where it is effectively just everything about um, everything here. It's everything about um, about the gamer. You know, uh, this infographic here from Xbox, it says, you are the center of gaming. Play anywhere via the cloud. Play on PC and customize your experience. Next-gen performance at an affordable price with the Xbox Series S. And then the most powerful, fastest Xbox ever built would be the Xbox Series X. You know, and then Game Pass Ultimate, being able to play all these games um, and enjoy exclusive perks. It's basically creating that one metaverse, you know, ecosystem that is just all about you being the gamer and being able to game in any which way you want to. So with that being said, though, Kyle, do you really think that this could be the start of a video game metaverse, however we really want to focus on what the buzzword actually means? Or is the metaverse just a buzzword to really get people to start just throwing money at a company? I I I think it's just a buzzword honestly. Tech is just powerful enough at this point that it, it's just all matching to where you know you're you you have if you're not able to gain access to that game, to that service um locally that you can do it remotely with almost as fast a time. So regardless of what device you're on, you can play the technology is just caught up to that point so do we really need to call it a metaverse um it's just a cross-play scenario to me i mean it's just you know you're, you're able to take your profile this it's just something gamers have dreamed about for a long time i i feel like yeah because it's like the even though the term necessarily wasn't used like way back, I mean, we had different things where people could collaborate in a virtual space without even needing to, um, you know, actually buy into anything too crazy. Like Second Life is a good example. It, it just yeah. feels like it is. It's just a buzzword. It's just to make, you know, it is just trying to bring everything together. Um, I mean, See, it's like I, what's I replaced like... ecosystem. It's like it's the word that replaced ecosystem. It really more is. than anything, and I, I feel like the thing that that really Microsoft is missing at this point is some sort of like PlayStation Home Microsoft version um, to really make it an, an ecosystem. But let let let's or not even to make it a, a ecosystem to make it a metaverse. So let let's just drop that and and let's just call it the Xbox system. I I don't know. It it seems to work. It, it's a whole line of things. You know, we've got the Xbox Series. That's your game consoles, and then you can download Xbox Game Pass on other stuff. That's just part of the system. That's the app. You know, <laughs> that's also true. And it's like that's why I just I hate the term metaverse because it does feel like it just has replaced the the phrase ecosystem. It's like you yeah. are in the Xbox ecosystem. I am in the Xbox ecosystem, especially because I own one of the new consoles. I own a gaming PC. I do the game streaming on my phone. It is something that right. I do. So I am in the Xbox ecosystem. And 
I hate that they use the metaverse buzzword, but that's just where we are at with this. But with all these acquisitions, so anyway, still going into what like they're promising and what they're trying to feature, though, is, I mean, this is obviously going to bolster their offerings for for their ecosystem, no matter what, even if the games are going to be cross-platform, there's going to be a net advantage to having these games on this particular system now compared to having them on a different system, right? Oh, for sure. And I I feel like this also opens the door for, especially since Phil Spencer has uh, spoken of it uh, just recently, uh, opens the door for previous licenses to get made and even some classic licenses that we haven't heard about in in years get get new releases or remakes so i don't know i i feel like that this is a great step for the company um on both sides really you know it it's it's definitely a positive development no matter how you see it yeah, I'm not as like after the initial shock of course of the announcement coming out, I'm not necessarily as concerned as to what could happen going forward. I mean, obviously there is still that lingering kind of curiosity as to what could happen with cross-platform games coming out from the Xbox Game Studios family, but oh, I I do worry that we're going to get a very hardcore sense of tribalism like console tribalism in the next couple years with with sony uh fan people and you know microsoft fan people really butting heads on all oh, this you know this is better and because this is, of this and this is better because of this game but that's been going and, on you know forever already it's still happening i mean i can go to a twitter thread when something gets announced for xbox and someone puts a meme like right there like one of the first tweets is uh you know saying playstation 5 is better like some type of meme that's up there and true, vice versa I, I feel like it's it's died down a lot more because the games are on you know all the consoles you know they're they're on PC and you have the ability to play a lo- quite a bit of them um on whatever console you want versus whatever console you want which is really cool but i i, I don't know I, I i feel like this is just another step further in that direction yeah like i did it, it's just making it more more easy and accessible to a broader audience that would really be the hope especially if some of these titles do come to game streaming because then you do have lower powered systems that then can take advantage of being able to play some of these games at 1080p 60 fps without having to have you know a a decent computer to be able to do it you know, you as long as your computer, like say, had Bluetooth, for example, and you go pick up a wireless Xbox controller for sixty bucks and pay the fifteen for Game Pass, you get, or even the ten for PC Game Pass, then you know you should be able to get game streaming included and be off and on your way potentially. But even with that, I guess what I'm curious about from you, Kyle, is mm-hmm. what does this look like though for? the retail industry going forward by consolidating all of these different studios into 
like uh, underneath the umbrella of just this these single large entities i mean you look at how much like tencent has invested into all of these different game companies you look at mm-hmm. the again the purchases that microsoft has made you look at all of the companies that sony has brought in and granted sony a lot of the things that they've purchased have been companies that have really focused on making games for them you know even if they didn't like 100% focus on it the majority of the focus for those studios was on sony titles but what does this look like more for the retail space going forward could we potentially see a reduction in like actual physical media being available though because with all of these things combined it's now making the the streaming or the game pass option more like more palatable because it's the libraries are getting to be so much greater you know what does this look like from that type of space i think it'll it'll expedite it for sure um, expedite the uh the demise of it the yeah the the demise or you know expedite the 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 total eradication of, of physical disc media for a console um will cartridges go away probably not i think that's something nintendo likes to hold on to but that that that's a whole different thing that that's nintendo being nintendo and their collectability starting as a card company and wanting to remain completely collectible in some sense or another but i i i think microsoft shifting gears to to purchase these game companies will uh expedite the the digital realm to being the the true forefront of 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 where you make your purchases where where you do all your businesses for games i don't i don't think we'll necessarily see uh game stores or or game sections in stores totally disappear but I I see them getting smaller. I see a lot more sections carrying cards rather than the actual physical disc media or or just controllers and different ways to access the 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 media you're buying or the the code for the media you're buying, I should say. Kind of putting more of the emphasis on here is a physical game case, but inside it is a 24-digit code to actually redeem the game within the digital uh, storefront that, you know, at least it relates to. Well, and you think about it, um, the the publishers have already been working working towards this or, or recognizing this is going to be a thing uh, coming soon anyway because they've been putting out collector's editions of games that don't even come with the game if you want to get the game you have to buy the limited edition and the collector's edition because the all the collector's edition is is a giant statue and maybe a different steelbook case or you know it's a bunch of goodies and it, it's basically a loot box of crap okay I mean, I, I guess. I mean, not not to be mean about it, but really, it it it's all collectible stuff. I would love it, you know, but you you're not getting the physical game anymore. Oftentimes, if if they are doing those, you know, big collectors editions, you're getting a digital code anyway. And some of them, like I said, in recently haven't even been putting codes or any game in it. 
like the Mass Effect uh, Legendary Edition Collector's Edition. Yep. Yeah. So you would have had to buy, you know, a whole different edition on top of the Collector's Edition just to play the game. That's very true. And, you know, I think that's kind of been the way things have already been going for a while. But the idea, though, of the retail space kind of shrinking a bit, say, for your accessories and your... Uh, the actual consoles themselves, if we actually see more of them start to show up in stores, I, I think that's probably yeah what you're going to see is dominating the space. But obviously, we need consoles with more storage on them to be able to put all the games we want on them. But I mean, physical oh, media, yeah. I don't no. think it's going to immediately die. But uh, at least, yeah, I think we're going to see maybe some shrinkage in that part of the market. Yeah, I, I feel like it's definitely going to expedite it. And I, the other thing I, I see it happening in the retail space and. I, I, I guess this benefits the gamers too is it, it's not necessarily just going to open up a variety of games for Microsoft. Yeah. They, they just gained a whole library, you know, they, they've got, you know, guitar hero, you know, behind them. Now they've got Warcraft behind them, Diablo, Overwatch, um, Tony Hawk, Spyro, Crash Bandicoot. Yeah. They have all those, but Sony still has a lot of really cool studios too that haven't necessarily put out tons of projects like they have in the past. You look back at the PS2, some of these studios were producing two, three games a year. And yeah, the the structure of what you were coding in was completely different. It may have been easier, but they're also working with larger budgets and larger teams now. So maybe we can see some more unique games come from Sony's uh, game studios too, or maybe some games that we haven't seen for a while. You know, your Resistance, your Kill Zone, some of those style of games might pop back up on the market in order to just uh, compete with the Call of Duty market. And that's that may end up actually being the case, though, is that by consolidating here, you may end up actually seeing more of the push to bring back some of these older tile, older titles, excuse me, to compete. Like the there was someone joking on Twitter about it. That's like, well, if Call of Duty goes uh, console exclusive on the Xbox, then I think Sony should really bring back the SOCOM franchise to to push that one ahead and, and make that their, you know, their killer console app. And I would love that, you know. They they haven't had a SOCOM game in years, and for for a long time, I remember watching SOCOM played as an esport on on G four. You know, back when it was on cable TV on its first run when we were kids. Yeah, and for stuff like that, especially as the market changes from these these quick fast paced battle royales to looking for kind of the next big thing, going back to the stealth team based type combat where it's like you need to take your time to get across objectives and missions that might be the way to do it you know so Mm -hmm. you are right so at least the leverage does kind of change that it's like well if these companies are really like combining forces you know joining forces and they are consolidating to the point where there is an actual threat to what i could do as a first party title or or not necessarily first party but what third party titles i can bring to my console it's like, well, let's look in the back catalog and what worked then, what could we possibly bring back now? And then that also further increases their own ecosystems because PlayStation's first-party offerings, especially on the PlayStation 5 right now, 
don't even make it enough revenue. Like third third party titles make way more revenue on PlayStation Five than first party ones mm-hmm. do, just because there's not enough of them. But if you bring back your resistance, your SOCOM, uh, your infamous, you get those games moving again. Hell, bring back uh, Jack and Daxter. Work on some of that stuff too. Then you could possibly grow out your ecosystem even more to make more people want to come back. And then that's the only thing. Uh, that's really one of the things I could actually see is being the good like part of this acquisition is that if things do go console exclusive on one side, the other side's going to have to compete in some way. Bring that stuff back. Get that stuff working right. again. Don't just focus on some of these these one-off titles, you know, that have been I guess working really well, but let's not just rehash a lot of it, you know, my uh Spider-Man Miles Morales, uh you know, God of War obviously of course is now in its is that it's is coming up to its second game in this in this basically continuation of this series that's already had so many more games before it already. It's a whole rework of it. But needless to say, you know, with with the way acquisitions are going right now and the amount of money that people are that the companies are spending to bring these these other companies under the um, their own umbrella, it may hopefully drive some of that competition for these other companies to start bringing back some classic titles. But Hopefully, we don't see things start to go so, like so segmented and so segregated that we don't see Call of Duties end up on PlayStation, or that Spyro and Crash can't ever be on PlayStation again. Yeah, I, I mean that that would be a sad thing to see, but to the same effect, who knows? We we could get a whole different game because, w- like you said, with. With with them opening up the, the those old franchises, it also brings the uh a you know possibility for for new creative franchises to take off. You know that that may not necessarily get squelched by these you know tremendous companies if they get recognized for what they truly are. You know who knows? Maybe we could get a, a, an entirely new Resistance game. Maybe we could get the the actual halo version of a or you know a, a playstation version of a halo game that that's something completely different you know maybe it'd be darker or you know in, involve more stealth but it the potential's out there it is all of a sudden it is it, it really puts that out there that it's like what is the potential we could do and if if Microsoft's not just getting Activision Blizzard just to really farm on the existing stuff that's making them a bunch of money, uh, Call of Duty, Warcraft, and and Overwatch, and, and everything else that's already there, but to kind of revitalize what these other studios were known for to bring some of those titles mm-hmm. back, that could be what ends up, you know, being the po- the the true positive of this acquisition and every other acquisition. The, the putting the faith back into those development teams to do what they did best instead of just being support staff for one game. Yes. Oh, man. Can't agree more. Can't agree more. Yeah. But I think that's it. Right? I think so. Okay. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm sure we can go on about more of the acquisition stuff. I really think, I, I hope we covered what we were, were planning on. Um, a lot of back and forth there on on a lot of the stuff going I, on with acquisitions. I guess the last note that I have to end on is, for the love of God, Microsoft, you have so many characters now. I need a 2D fighter, like a tag team fighter, where Clippy can go 
up against, I don't know, uh, Banjo-Kazooie and Crash Bandicoot with Master Chief by his side tag team style. Yes, and the level and the level needs to be one where it's the old Windows 95 screensaver with the old Windows logos that were flying at you like you were on the Millennium Falcon, okay? Yes, absolutely. In fact, they're obstacles. You have to it's like it's turned down on minimum and you have to dodge the Windows logos while you're fighting. Oh my god. Street Fighter style. And and, and an ultimate smash or an ultimate uh and an ultimate combo will end with the uh with the uh Windows XP logout sound. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. All right, Microsoft, you, you you've heard us now. Get on it. So with that, um <laughs> with that said, of course, <laughs> that is it for this week's NPCs discuss where we talked about game company acquisitions. So, with all that said, thank you so much everybody for tuning in. Don't forget to check out the rest of our episodes. Of course, all of our other NPCs discussed. They're all available on all the different podcast platforms that are out there. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Slacker, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, all of the good ones out there. So please be sure to subscribe to us. But if you need to find any of those links, check us out on our homepage, anchor.fm slash the dash NPCs dash podcast. If you are a member of the game industry, of course, and would like to come on to an episode in the future, please drop us a line. Of course, we'd love to be able to hear from you, bring you on and talk to you about whatever it is we could be talking about uh, topic wise for that week. No, we'll reach out to you, of course, too. But drop us a line on social media or at the NPCs.business at gmail.com and we will get back to you. Of course, be sure to check us out on social media, on Facebook and Twitter at the NPCs Podcast. And of course, go subscribe to our YouTube page as well. Just go and search for the NPCs. Or of course, go search for us uh, using uh, the links on our social media and our anchor.fm page as well too to get to that. Again, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We will catch you all in the next one. Bye-bye.